Hey there, my name is Michael Martinez, and you are listening to The 20s Podcast. In this episode of The 20s Podcast, I have another great conversation with Connor. However, this conversation is focused on his life as a brand new girl dad. Connor had a beautiful baby girl a few months ago, and so he talks about the struggles and some of the circumstances around being a girl dad. It's a lot of fun, and even if you don't have a kid, it's worth listening to. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the 20s podcast. All right, welcome to part two of my conversation with Connor Ray Tripp. <laughs> good, good. The first part of our conversation, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. It's about his move from Oregon to Miami, back to Oregon. But today's topic is going to be even more special. Because if you do not know, and if you're a stranger, how would you know? I moved again. (laughs) Just in between (laughs) last podcast and this one, he has moved. No, that is a joke. He has not moved again. He is in Oregon. But... Connor is now a father. He's actually wearing a hat right now that says girl dad. And it's amazing. You're a dad. Just the other day you were single and now you're married and a dad. Maybe like just the other year, but yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, years become days and honestly, 2020, did it count? Did we count that year? So Exactly. But I want to talk about what it was like to have a wife that was expecting and then to eventually become a father because that is a very cool experience. And most people will experience that in their 20s. And so what's it like? What's it like having a kid? Oh, man. Now that you're asking me and she's almost four months old, it's amazing. (laughs) had you asked me when she was four weeks old I'd be like this is the hardest thing I've ever done and it's still really hard but it's um it's amazing man it's almost indescribable one of those moments where it's like you just have to experience it but I'll do my best as we talk to kind of quantify it with words but it's hard because there's a level of of love there that's just it's unfathomable. And I don't know, man, to look at a little baby that, you know, looks just like you, which my wife hates, but I love, (laughs) she's my little twin. And uh, it's, it's very weird, but amazing all at the same time It's this huge mix of emotions. That's awesome. So let's rewind because you said it's, it's amazing. It's always been amazing. But the first couple weeks were hard. Oh, man. So I'm going to make you do a little trip down memory lane even though it was not that distant of a memory but it may cause some ptsd but (laughs) explain what it was like those first couple weeks let's start from when you're taking your baby home from the hospital and in the first couple weeks of having her home dude i could go back to the first couple days in the hospital so we were there for um and now that we're talking about my baby, if you hear her in the background, I was about to say, is that her crying? That's perfect. It's like perfectly on brand. <laughs> that is hilarious. Roxana um, pinched her so she could make an appearance on the podcast. Crying. It's like, they're talking about you 
scream. Um, <laughs> she loves to talk, so I wouldn't be super surprised about that. Um, where was I? <laughs> First couple of days of the hospital. Holy moly, Mike. So we were in the hospital a total of six days. Um, three of them, Roxana was in labor. We ended up, she ended up having a C-section. Uh, if you want to, if you want to know more about her birth story, she has it on her Instagram, but uh, for the ladies listening, um, I mean, guys too, I guess, if you want to learn <laughs> if, about if you're interested. Birth, what to expect, but I'll give you the lowdown on what to expect as the dude. Uh, we had kind of a rush, like we needed to make a decision. We decided that C-section was the best. So we had a C-section and uh, our baby came out and she was healthy. She was happy. She had a lot of bruising, you know, she really tried to, to come out, but just wasn't happening. Um, and she came out and with C-section babies, they have like this, this choking thing on the amniotic fluid. So that first day, like <laughs> she would do this cough thing where that's a like, thing. Yeah. It's like, I think she's dying, you know? So you like hit the button and call the nurse in and they're like, no, this is totally normal. It's like, how do you call this normal? She's choking. <laughs> um, and that was at like 11 at night. And dude, the, the doctors are in, in the room, like every two hours, they're checking on mom, they're checking on the baby. And you try to get some sleep and you can't. So by night two, the kind of saving grace, I guess, not really. The nurse on night two, she said before we started the evening, it was like 730. She said to us, just so you guys know, it's really typical for night two to be the worst night. Day one probably went well because your baby was really tired. So they slept from all the action that happened that day but night two is usually really hard. And we're like, yeah, okay. She's been sleeping well. She'll probably keep doing it. No, this nurse was right. Night two, we, I don't think we slept more than half an hour. Over the course of six days, I think total, we slept maybe three hours, four hours. So the level of um, <laughs> exhaustion, to put it lightly, was insane. And so that all leading up to the day we got to bring her home, we were at least happy to be home, but man, we were exhausted. And I don't know if I just didn't listen well enough or if nobody really kind of told us that, but I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting to be as exhausted as I was because there's that old saying, Mike, and I know you know this, oh, you're sleeping like a baby or look at them, they're sleeping like a baby. No, sometimes babies don't sleep. Okay. <laughs> and there are really funny memes that make more sense when you're a parent, but like your baby is wide awake at 2 PM, but at 2 AM they're, or wide, they're completely asleep at 2 PM, but wide awake at 2 AM. And, and it's, you think it's funny at first, but then when you're a parent, it's like, oh, that's really true. And I'm really sad. <laughs> so those first few weeks, um, we had a pretty difficult time because Savannah did not like being put down. So she wouldn't sleep well when we put her down and she sometimes just wouldn't sleep at all. So we had to hold her 24 seven for about eight or nine weeks. And um, we did shifts where, cause we weren't willing to sleep with her in our bed just cause um, from what we decided, it just wasn't the safest option for us. And so we held her in shifts. So Roxanne and I were getting about three to five hours of sleep per night for about eight to nine weeks. And we had never gone through that before. Hmm. So that was, it was, that was really rough. Um, but thankfully around eight week eight or week nine, we had a uh, product that we, that we ended up 
trying and it worked really well for us. It was a special bassinet that we use and then we still use it and it works really well. And she started sleeping throughout the night, at least more so, you know, giving us bigger, longer chunks of sleep and now pretty much the whole night. So yeah, although it was very, very hard at first, it was still really rewarding. Obviously, like you're looking at this baby and thinking, this is my baby. This is amazing. Um, but I wanted to be real about how that was, that was challenging. So tell me, cause I'm glad it's better now. And I know you got that special lesson and I'm glad it's working out, but describe how stinking tired you were those first couple weeks. I Michael, mean, Michael, my wife was talking to me and I was on the couch one day. And as I was talking to her, I fell asleep <laughs> while I was talking to her and she went, babe, babe, did you just fall asleep talking to me? And I like jolted awake and went, huh? What? What? Oh, I was talking to you. And she's like, yes, you just fell asleep while you were talking to me that like almost standing up. That's how it felt. I almost fell asleep standing up. So you were zombie like basically for the first few weeks. And then she started sleeping a little more consistently. So what are some of the, the nice moments? I know you talked about the not sleeping and, but what are some of the, just the little moments that you've just enjoyed so much of these first couple months of having a child? Well, just looking at her, you know, you look at your baby and you think that's my baby. There's an amazing feeling that comes with that. Even if they're not doing anything, they're just laying there and they can't do anything. It's just like, you're my baby. That's so rewarding. It's incredible. It's a, it's just a, like I said earlier, it's a love that you can't describe that uh, overwhelms you with emotion. Um. And now, so, I mean, she smiles at you and she talks to you and interacts with you and, you know, grabs your face, even though she might not even mean to, but um, it's just this little, this little human that looks at you and, and thinks you're giving me everything I need. And like, thank you. You know, they don't know how to say thank you, but that's basically what they're saying, you know? Like you're taking care of me and that's amazing. And I'm going to smile at you because that's all I know how to do, but it's, it's really indescribable. Now she was born in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. The COVID-19 pandemic. So I know we've talked about this before, but what were some of the challenges that you had as an expectant dad and maybe now as a, as a dad, because you had your child during a pandemic. Yeah. Well, just to clear something up, she was not a quarantine baby. If anybody says that to me, I'll be very angry. <laughs> she was so her middle name is not Quarantina. No, but I heard of somebody that did that. Yeah, many people that? I'm sure have done that. Yeah. No, um, so don't say that to me. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I... At the very, very, very beginning. So Roxana took a pregnancy test. It was positive. And then we went to like a Walgreens to confirm it with the whatever doctor that's there, nurse practitioner. They confirmed it and I was able to go to that. And then the 12 week appointment I was able to go to as well with an ultrasound. Everything after that 12 week appointment. So week 13 until week 39, I didn't get to go to anything. Mm. So that was really hard. Um, and I, I, I really tried to stay positive about it because there was, there's just nothing I could do. Um, and we were able to make it fun 
in different ways, but it was really challenging. And it was kind of, it was at times it was hard to get through. It's like, man, I really wish, you know, I could walk in there and see our baby together or learn the gender at the same exact time, you know, but instead we have to ask the doctor to put it on a sticky note. And then Roxana walked down to the car and she's thinking the whole time, what is, what is, what is it? And then we open it together and, and still get to celebrate together. But it, it was just kind of different than what we expected. Um, yeah. Definitely different than what we expected. Um, but then at the hospital, you know, like the two weeks before I had to be really careful because if I showed any signs, they would actually at the hospital say, I'm sorry, you can't come in. And so that pressure weighing on me was like, well, my wife needs a support person. And if it's not me, it's going to be probably what my mom, like my mom's great, but I want to be there, you know? Yeah. So um, it just was very different than what we expected. Although we were able to find the positive, it was still really hard. Yeah. And I think the pandemic was such an eye opener for a lot of people because it just showed us that our plans and our expectations, you know, at the end of the day, one little microscopic virus can completely upend that. And in your 20s, there's going to be a lot of times where you're expecting something and then all of a sudden something comes out of left field. Hopefully it's not a pandemic. Hopefully it's something smaller or something a little more personal to you and doesn't affect the entire world. Uh, but there'll be something that comes out of left field and kind of changes what the expectation was. And now the reality of it is very different than what you had expected. And so that's very interesting that you had to go through that. And it's also cool because, you know, you, hopefully you will not have to go through it again when you have a second kid, which I'm sure there's going to be a second kid. Right. Right. <laughs> it'll be a little, right. Be a little gonna, at least, but yeah, it'll course. be a little, at least, of course there's going to be a, how many kids do you want? Um, I feel like we're still kind of deciding, but probably okay. between three and four. I love it. Roxanne has a really hard time with thinking about an odd number because of Disneyland. She doesn't want anybody what? to ride. She doesn't want anybody to ride alone. <laughs> so she has really is that really her that. thought process yeah although i told her every time like you know who's gonna ride alone right it's gonna be me i'm gonna be the one riding with the stranger okay <laughs> that is so don't so worry true. about it so that but is... yeah that's her big concern so we'll see we'll see very cool well i was going somewhere with the expectations and then i kind of just made a joke out, out of it but when it comes to expectations and managing expectations what did you expect to be different? Obviously, the appointments, you couldn't have foreseen a pandemic and you going in and not being able to go in and her having to run down with a sticky note. But other than pandemic specific <laughs> realities, um, what were some of the expectations that maybe you've had to adjust or and not all bad, but also good ones, too, that maybe you didn't expect it to be this good or this kind of feeling? Yeah. Hmm. I'll start with the more difficult because that's where my mind goes. Um, I didn't expect myself to be so emotional when mm. we were at the hospital and we ended up going with the C-section. Um, there were, there were a few days there that just like the emotions were really hitting me and I've never really experienced anything like that. And it was, it was very, very unexpected. Um, I remember sitting there waiting for them to call me in ready for the C-section surgery. And I'm like, I was hyperventilating and I couldn't figure out why I'm like, why am I so nervous? You know, I, I just, I don't know what to expect, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do when I get there. It's just like, Oh, and I'm worried about my wife and all these different things are running through my head. 
And, uh, and then you have your baby and then it's like, wow, um, she's counting on me for everything. And my wife, she can't move literally because she just had a major surgery. So I need to be up and at them. And it just was a lot all at once. So that was definitely something I did not expect. I expected it to be sunshine and rainbows and everybody's super excited and you have a baby and it's like happy flowers and enjoy. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And uh, it was a lot of emotion. It was a lot of emotion. Um, some good, some challenging, and some just like bad. Um, and then the alternative to that is what I didn't expect to be as great as it was is just kind of like overall what it's like to have a family and really feel like you are a tight knit group that you can grow together. And mm. um, there are many years ahead that you get to look forward to, to all these different things happening. It's just, uh, it's just a feeling that I didn't really realize I would have. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. And as you talk about that, kind of makes me emotional because I'm like, wow, you, you could just see it. I know they can't see your face, the people who are listening, but I could see your face and you're just so genuine about what you're saying right now. And those emotions that you felt when your wife went into labor and just being able to look at your baby now, I could see it in your face, how proud you are and how excited you are for that future that you just mentioned and all the years ahead that you get to grow together. Yeah. So let me ask you as someone who I do not have a child. Um, <laughs> I have nieces and nephews, which are great. And so I've been able to see my siblings be parents. Um, but just asking you personally, you know, was there any fear that you had to deal with? And because, and I mean both in like a practical sense and a bigger sense as well. But like when I hold the newborn, I am terrified that if I drop it, like that'll be the end of the newborn. I know it's kind of like funny you're laughing, but like it's a legitimate fear of mine. So yeah. I know that may seem like a small thing, but what are some of the, the fears you've kind of had to grapple with in this process? Um, literally everything. <laughs> if, if I say the wrong thing while they're four weeks old, are they going to remember that for the rest of their life and have problems with coping with life? Um, if I don't give them enough time on their belly, are they not going to develop a strong enough neck so that when they're 25, they won't be able to play the sport they want? Um, what happens if I, you know, if I can't be the sole provider for my household like I want to in a couple of years? Um, what happens if I have to send my kid to public school or private school? How am I going to pay for that? What if I don't have the money to pay for everything, literally everything I'm afraid of, Michael. And to this day, it's just the, what it comes down to is that an overwhelming sense of responsibility that comes with having a baby. Mm. That's what it is. When you're yeah. holding a baby and you're worried about dropping it, it's because you know, you have the responsibility of keeping that child safe. Um, but when you're a dad, you have the responsibility of keeping that child safe, taking care of that child. So it grows up to be healthy and happy and whole. And then not only that, but like leading them and showing them the way and half the time I'm thinking, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm 25. I haven't figured out what, I don't know what life is about. I still don't know, but I should have figured it out a long time ago. And I already have a baby and I need to know, you know what I mean? So it all comes, <laughs> it all comes together at a head, but the way that I, the way that I cope with that and go about it is everybody feels that way. Yeah. I remember talking to an advice nurse who I said, I, I think I said something like, I just, I don't know if we're doing the right thing. And she said, listen, nobody knows. 
And that one simple little phrase is like, okay, I'm in good company. You know, nobody <laughs> knows if they're doing the right thing. They just all act like they're doing the right thing. Um, so knowing that really helps, but then also just, just keeping moving and knowing that I'm not going to break my baby. Um, I'm not going to drop her. I'm not going to, you know, scar her for life. She's not even going to remember anything until she's one and a half or two anyway, just, you know, keep learning and allow yourself to grow and try to be as good of a dad as you can, but you're never going to be perfect. And that's honestly a big challenge for me is because I'm a perfectionist by nature. So I want, I want my baby to have a perfect life and that's not going to happen. So I have to recognize that right now in the moment. And I'm still learning that I'm still trying to figure that out, but uh, that's definitely, that's definitely a source of fear for me. Yeah. And I love that you were so honest there because you said at one point, you know, I'm, I'm 25. I don't even know what I'm doing. I haven't even figured this out. I haven't figured out life. I should have figured this out a long time ago. And so I think that that sentiment right there, those couple lines that you just said, um, kind of ties the heart of the podcast together because in the twenties, in your twenties, you're going through all these different major milestones and whether that's having a baby or moving across the country or graduating college or getting your master's or, you know, dating someone, breaking off, whatever it may be, those major milestones. I think all of us in our twenties have at some point said, what am I doing (laughs) Why don't I know how to do this? And this is absolutely terrifying. But what you just said doesn't just apply to having a kid. Um, Nobody really knows. (laughs) We're all just figuring it out. And that's part of this podcast is just figuring it out and being okay with that. Being okay with the fact that you, 25 years old, went home with your baby and were a little confused and a little flustered and a little fearful. And But look at it four months old. She's healthy. She's happy. She's already sleeping. I mean, you've already improved just in the last four months. So it's incredible to see that. You know, what really ties together, and I just want to interject here, what really ties together with this whole idea is that I thought in those really difficult moments with our baby in the first few weeks, I thought they were going to last forever. You kind of get Stockholm syndrome and think this is going to be my life. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to know what to do. I'm never going to know what she wants when she cries. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. But that's just not the case. If you just keep pushing forward and get through the difficult moments, you'll eventually figure it out and it eventually gets easier. And it's not always going to be that hard. So once I realized that, and even now, like when we have some hard days or, you know, she has a a hard evening or whatever, I I know that's not forever. She eventually is going to be older and she's going to, you know, be able to sit up on her own or be able to roll over on her stomach and feel better. It's not always going to be like this. And in our twenties, for me personally, sometimes I have to think, I may not know what I want to do or where I want to go or whatever, but it's not always going to be like this. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's a perfect place for us to end our conversation is it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be this turbulent. It's not always going to be this frustrating or this fear filled. And, you know, there is a brighter light ahead. There's something greater that's going to happen. There's something so much more amazing. And even in the middle of this chaos, you're finding beauty in it. And I think, again, that's one of the points of this podcast is that in the middle of all this chaos of being in your 20s and changing and growing and getting married and having kids and graduating and moving, 
even in all that chaos, there's so much beauty in it. So Connor, thank you so much for this conversation about you and your wife and your beautiful daughter. And like your hat says, you're a girl dad. And so hopefully people listen to this podcast. Maybe some girl dads will listen to this and, and get inspired by what you said. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Thank you for listening to the 20s podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode or any other episode you have listened to, I'm going to go ahead and ask that you like, subscribe, and review. In fact, if you liked a certain episode so much, why don't you share it on social media and tell others about the 20s podcast? You can follow the podcast on Instagram at the20s underscore podcast. That's the 20s underscore podcast, or rather the 20s underscore podcast. Thank you again for listening, and I hope that you continue to tune in to the 20s podcast.